this is good morning. Uh, good morning from the highly caffeinated fitness weigh-in. Um, this is Andy and Shona. This is a real bad start to the podcast. But <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, how you doing, Shona? I'm alright. I'm half asleep. Yeah, I'm the same. It's <sighs> way, this is the earliest we've done a podcast. I know. It's a bit like what? Which is funny because it's not even really that early. But, well, considering um, you've already had a client, and by this time I would probably normally have a client as well. Well, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. So. I know. Always yeah. fun. Always fun. What's been on? Uh, not much to be honest. I'm just getting sick of the bad weather. To be honest. Yeah, it's I'm, lovely, just, I'm ready lovely, for lovely, summer now. Lovely, <laughs> lovely and rainy at the moment, isn't it? I know. I had two clients come back from online clients come back from a holiday recently, and <laughs> I felt the need to apologise. <laughs> When I did their check-ins, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you're back. <laughs> you're back. And we're back. This is episode 14. Yeah. Getting getting close to the magic 20 number. So we've got five questions, which we're going to run through. Um, and let's see what we go for. So number one, is it necessary to reverse diet after a deficit phase? I would say yes, uh, mostly for sanity. <laughs> mm. um, it's not very comfortable being in a deficit for a long period of time because, as you know, you're at a point where hunger and appetite levels are a little bit higher than the norm, especially if you're in a maintenance phase, for example. Um, so it's good to sort of reverse diet out of a deficit phase and bring yourself back up again, but mostly also to find out where the parameters are now for maintenance because they change all the time. So when you go into a deficit phase, the maintenance levels or start point could be completely different from when you did a previous maintenance phase. So you want to test that and see where it is every now and then and just bring yourself up for recovery, um, to prevent injury, etc. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's that's a big a big one that many people kind of miscalculate is they've, their previous maintenance was 2,400 and they've just lost five or six kilos your maintenance isn't going to be 2,400 or 500 anymore. Yes. It's going to be lower because you're a smaller person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the, the, the mind screw that people think that they have is that, oh, I've lost this weight and I can just go back to do that, back up to that initial yeah. maintenance phase. Well, no, you would have to increase your output quite considerably to, yeah. be able to, to, to manage to be at that one. But yeah, um, for me, reverse dieting, yeah, you do it. Um, I think that many people go too slow. I think that... There's a you can go slow uptake and do it like fifty calories a week each week and adding in or if you are say for instance your maintenance had been two thousand five hundred and you've been sitting at say eighteen hundred for a while mm. I would probably go in the middle and add three hundred calories on and start at two thousand one hundred and then manipulate from there yeah. rather than going up because it takes a long time to get you back to maintenance. Yeah, I mean I definitely say that reverse dieting is a must for your gut and digestive system as well. Yeah. You can't possibly just go from just for example let's say one thousand five hundred boom straight up to 2500 and expect your stomach not to have an absolute mare (laughs) Um, it needs to tolerate all these different food quantities that you're putting in now um, and you want to avoid inflammation in the gut lining so that you've got regular bowel movement and it's just a happy tum tum yes I think um, we've both competed and we've both made the pitfalls of eating like an absolute wanker (laughs) the the day or the night of the show once you've competed and how bad is the next day in fact never mind the next day by the time you finish your meal you feel like you're you feel like you're fat bastard from Austin Powers it's that night oh Oh, you just 
it's not even meat sweats, it's just the sweats. This uncomfortable feeling of like, my stomach's going to burst. Yeah, and then obviously the bowel movements are rather interesting the oh, next yeah. morning as well. That's true. Which is not fun. <laughs> um, good. Number Question number two is, any supplements or vitamins to support training? In brackets, not creatine, because we obviously get always get the creatine question. And creatine is probably one of the few supplements that we would recommend that you take. Yes. Um, it's great for helping build lean muscle. It's great for endure. It's good for endurance. There's also a lot of studies to show it has a lot of effect on cognitive function. Um, and it's very very simple. Creatine monohydrate, generally the cheapest one you can find, three to five grams per day for life. Don't load phase. Just get stuck in about it. Yeah. Uh, any other supplements or vitamins that you would, that um, you would go for? I mean, I always say fish oils are fantastic because, you know, it helps almost lubricate the joints a little bit. So if you do get sticky or stiff joints, um, it's a good one to take just to help um, encourage a little bit more mobility and movement within the joints. Absolutely. I think vitamin D would be one that I add in on top of that, mainly because, well, certainly us, we live in Scotland and it's yes. 8.04 a.m. and it's still fucking dark as shit. So, <laughs> vitamin D tip which obviously helps your immune system helps a whole lot of functions um, things like your mood you know things like that that are going to obviously that's why so many folk in the darker areas get SAD seasonal affective disorders because they're low vitamin D because they don't get enough from the sunshines yeah. so to supplement it obviously makes a big big difference on that one um, one that I, I always recommend to my clients especially after having um, perhaps maybe a holiday away where you've been travelling and eating foods in different you know, different areas or cultures or whatever um, and perhaps maybe after being on a course of medication um, I always recommend clients take uh, this supplement called VSL3 Yeah, especially after um, antibiotics Yes, it's basically a medical grade probiotic and it contains about 8 strands of beneficial live lactic acid bacteria um, and the bacteria is purposely selected carefully cultivated um, and it's basically there to survive the gastric acid bile and pancreatic secretions so basically what it does is it just helps get your gut bile back to a nice um, flourishing environment absolutely there are so the thing is uh, there's so many other supplements and vitamins and stuff out there that people recommend and people don't recommend like you know I get asked about greens powders quite a lot as long as you're eating enough greens in your vet in your diet, you should be you don't need to take greens powder. I take some greens powder because I'm a child and don't eat as many yeah. greens as I should. Although I'm making a, a concerted effort, so I've got the hiccups to to deal with that. Um, other things, caffeine. Obviously, a lot of us drink coffee, drink tea. Yeah. I don't drink hot drinks because I'm a weirdo. Um, so I my supplementation of caffeine is generally via pre-workout before a training session. Um, again, there's things in there that potentially may help. You know, things like beta alanine is good for buffering lactate, uh, lactic acid. So actually, beta alanine would probably be quite good for anybody who does endurance sports. Um, so yeah, but beta alanine is the one that makes you feel like you're about to rip your face off because it's so <laughs> Yeah. But apart from that, a lot of a lot of supplements are uh, actually I will add in supplements in there is whey protein uh, or a protein variety a, a protein supplement yeah. whether it be a shake a bar they're just really handy to have. I'm currently drinking a protein shake at the moment. Um, Endurance 
um, as a, a company that's been set up by one of my friends um, and it's based at Elite Athletes um, so I've been given some protein to try it's pretty pretty tasty to be fair but whey protein pea protein hemp protein find one that your stomach can handle find one that tastes good because some of them taste like taste shit right. have you ever done that I did this one years ago where I, I had oh I really like this I, I love bounties I love bounty chocolate so I'm going to have a get a coconut a chocolate coconut protein powder and I bought five kilos from my protein and after one shake I was ready to throw, <laughs> throw up in the bag some of them are awful it was like, honking oh, no. so don't make that just anything else from your side I, I know I mean it, it, I would always say to clients look it you only really need to take a supplement if you are deficient in it because your body has a good way of a producing um, some supplements itself uh, and b you know you should really be relying on diet alone to bring you those um, yep. those supplements in but as anything if you are deficient in it then yes it's very beneficial for you to then take that supplement but I wouldn't go taking so many pills that you're rattling in the morning um, and just taking it because you know, so. Have you ever done the one where you take a pill and it gets stuck in your throat? Oh, and then it melts and fish then oil's bad for that one. Well, fish oil, but I did one that had like, I think, I can't remember where it was, but it had dust, it had like obviously powder in it. And I burped and I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like a dragon fire. <laughs> yeah, and was like, dust, dust coming out my God. mouth. Like the mummy. Uh, so yeah. Uh, no, I don't think there's any other ones really. Oh, melatonin, I sometimes say to people for sleep. Sleeps, because obviously sleep's very, very important for recovery. So if you are struggling to sleep, I would highly recommend melatonin to help get you into that deep dream sleep. Yeah, because melatonin exactly the same. Your body produces melatonin, but under high levels of cortisol or high levels of stress. And we're not talking about, like, we need to have some level of stress in our lives because yeah. that's what makes things tick. But high, high levels of stress where you're struggling to fall asleep or your body isn't producing or the cortisol is overrunning the melatonin levels. So melatonin is also a good one to do. Um, unfortunately you can't buy it in the, U- the UK but it's not illegal so you can actually buy it online in America mm-hmm. and I generally have a, 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 um, I generally have a stock of it in the studio as well so it's pretty good stuff cool, right number three is it possible to lose weight and not track or vice versa any tips for moving away from tracking, I'm not sure I ever will at this point and do you guys track first off do you track yeah, I mean, well, I track when I'm trying to specifically get a sort of outcome out of my training. So if I want to maybe gain weight or if I want to lose weight. Uh, when I'm in a maintenance phase, though, I generally know what I'm eating and I don't necessarily need to track as much or as often. Yeah, um, I, I'm exactly the same. I, yeah. I haven't tracked in years. I, I generally know what I need to do. I generally know what I need to... Um, what I need to intake and I'm pretty good at judging where my food and stuff is as yeah. well what I'm intaking etc um, but there is no reason why you can't move away from tracking at some point I would no. never ever like don't discount that one I think a lot of people want people to get straight into not tracking which I think is great and if you can do that happy days but I think a huge majority of people need to learn the basics about food and nutrition before mm-hmm. they can step away from tracking Absolutely. so if you've never ever measured food if you've never ever if you don't know how much proteins in a chicken breast you need to learn these things and tracking using something like my fitness pal or NutriCheck or whatever it is yeah. it's going to be massively beneficial and a lot of people poo poo and lift their they turn their noses up at people tracking which is that's fine that's your prerogative but I think one of the best educations that you can have is by just purely by cooking and understanding what's in food yeah. so we can sit now and you'll have 
like I can tell you, I look at a chicken breast, probably average chicken breast is about 150 grams of chicken, which is about 30 grams of protein, between mm-hmm. 30 and 35 grams of protein. A steak, let's say for instance a sirloin steak, is normally about 200 to 250 grams, which is about 400 calories, which is about 40 grams to 45 grams of protein. And that's just me knowing that because of experience and understanding food doing on my plate. Yeah. I've been doing it for so, and I've obviously been working with people for <clears throat> so long. Yeah. So this thing about sort of people being snobbish about c- tracking calories, kind of they need to get off their high horse and realize that there is not one way to skin a cat. There's loads of ways to skin a cat. By the way, anybody that reports me to the SSPCA, that never happened. <laughs> um, and I don't know how much protein's in a cat. Oh dear. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I I sort of uh, teach my my online clients that eventually we want to learn sort of automatic nutrition. So basically, yeah. what that is is yeah, it's automatically ingrained in your in your system that this weighs this amount, potentially roughly, um, and it has this amount in it. Um, I do eventually try and encourage clients to track every alternate day if they want to try and wean themselves off tracking. Um, and then eventually we do a week on, a week off of tracking. Um, and that's basically just to try and get them into a rhythm of actually paying attention to what they're putting on the plate and not just relying on the app as well. Absolutely. I think my tips for moving away from tracking is one is routine. Yeah. I am very, very routined in what I eat. And it, I have four meals a day and the first three meals of the day are basically the same meals every day and I don't get bored with that. Or you rotate in and out of different sources of carbohydrate or different, like for instance, I might change white potato for white rice. Mm-hmm. I might change chicken for steak. Um, it just depends on what's available. And also, I'm very much about trying to find, like I, I love a bargain in the supermarket. Yeah. I love going in and finding, oh, Looks chicken. like yellow label. Yeah, chicken thighs, <laughs> thighs are discounted. They are. Uh, turkey mints now I'm not the greatest fan of turkey mints but if it's discounted and you can chuck some tacos seasoning on it it tastes great Um, so yeah you can routine is one of the easiest ways to be able to move away from tracking so first three meals of the day for me are generally the same things Um, and my dinner because that's the one that I'll I share with my wife I'll that becomes a little bit different so that's mm-hmm. the one that changes daily although to be fair both of us are very we we enjoy certain we enjoy like things like decent meals so actually we could probably have the same meal two or three nights running and we don't get bored of it um it's when you sort of have that thing where people get bored of food daily that is where potentially issues may come in yeah because you're constantly changing stuff but that's not an issue um you know the routine stuff of the rest of the day kind of keeps you within the back where you need to be in terms of calories yeah. and base everything around like i always try to get people to base their calories around the protein sources so you want 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal mm-hmm. and if you've got four meals that's minimum 120 grams of protein across the day um add in a shake there's 150 grams and for the majority of females I work with, I probably I sort of set a hundred gram minimum target of yeah. protein, and for men probably a hundred fifty to hundred seventy grams minimum, depending on obviously size and you know what their what their goals etc are too. So yeah, keep it simple. I think is the main one, isn't it? Simples. Simple, simples. Uh, cool. Question number four: Are deload weeks necessary, and how often should they be in a program? I definitely think they are necessary, absolutely, um, and ugh, 
the, ideo- the ideology behind why you should deload is that it can help prevent injuries from overtraining by giving your joints, tendons and ligaments a breather from heavy lifting or high volume training. Um, and I do think that that is very independent on that individual. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I might get fatigued after five weeks of training. Andy might be eight weeks of yeah. training. Um, so you really have to listen to your body um, and work with it, not against it. So if it does get to a point where it really is crumbling a little bit <laughs> and it's starting to hit a wall, then it's a good indication that actually you need to take your foot off the gas a little bit and incorporate a deload week. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you need to listen to your body because you may get to, normally where you may get to five weeks and need a deload, there'll be one time that actually you get to five weeks and go, my training's going really well, so I'm feeling great. Yeah. I'm going to extend it for another week. Mm-hmm. And then you keep listening to the body from that point. Yeah. You know, it's very much, it's very individual, exactly as you said, it's very much individual needs, individual what needs to happen for them in their training. If you're finding that your training is, you know, it might not even be the injury prevention, it might actually be that you're finding that you're plateauing and mm-hmm. that's maybe a, a reason to maybe bring in a deload just to recover slightly yeah. and you might find that once you've got that recovery out of the way you know you, you push it from there um, so yeah I think um, I think a lot of it is just basically about how the person feels. Yeah there's not really a golden number unfortunately nah. um, I, do, I do think it's really important to try and gauge that point before it happens though Yeah. which is very hard to do but you know, if you're already ball deep in a shitty time recovery-wise and you're injured, then you've kind of, you've, you've overreached a little bit and you've got to a point where, you, yeah, you should have had a deal a week, a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you kind of need to just preempt it and understand how your body works and functions. And also I think as well, we need to realise that we'll work with, most of the people we work with will be working professionals. They have a day job. So, you know, things like plugging in, if you've got a week away with work, it's an ideal time to plug in a deload week. Yeah, absolutely. Like something yeah, like yeah. that, where you're going to only be able to either maybe do lightweight or bodyweight stuff and like a home workouts, and you because you've got so much work on something like that. That mm-hmm. could be something that you look at. Right, I've got eight weeks until I'm away. I'm going to kick the arse off my training for eight weeks, and then that ninth week when I'm away is going to be my deload. Or yeah. <clears throat> similarly, when I go on holiday, when you guess you'll be the same as when you go on holiday. I go on holiday. I don't. I still train. But I'm not trying, it's not, I'm not pushing stupid amounts of weight. I'm not trying to um, break it, break any gym PB or my own PBs and yeah. stuff when I'm away. Mine's is just genuinely keep, keeping myself moving and ticking over. A, because I, if I don't, I'll end up like a half shut knife because <laughs> stiff enough and look like quasi-modal by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, a holiday time's optimal time for me to train because I have the rest and recovery around it to support it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I never really take time off holiday either. The time I do take off is when I'm really, really rammed with work and stuff during the week. Uh, absolutely, yeah. um, I'll do the same. I think it's. Um, I think there'll be certain. But the thing is, there'll be certain days around where you'll maybe, you know, I train regularly, probably five days a week, sometimes six days a week, because at the moment I'm finding that my nutrition that's coming in is recovering, helping me recover yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. That means that I may need to drop it back to five days a week if I because I'm sort of tidying things up again. But I'll bridge. I'll bridge that gap when it comes. But yeah, it's all about um, it's all about the kind of the recovery side of it and making sure that you know you you listen to your body. Your body's the best tracker that you can you can buy. Yeah, and it's free. It is. You know, if you listen to your body, you'll you'll get so much out of it, and you'll be able to understand when you can push, when mm-hmm. you need to back off, and um, when you can kind of overreach. So yeah. that's these things that happen. 
I also think as well it helps with most motivation as well. If you take a little bit of time out of something, you have that extra drive and motivation to come back to it again. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, if you know that you're going to be doing it every day of the year, there there is going to be a little bit of lack of motivation at some point. Yeah. Um, whereas if you know you've got a deload around the corner, you've got that time off, and you can almost crave the fitness again. Yeah, very much so. Excellent. Number five. This is a bit of a funny but serious question. Yeah. Why do guys walk around with a belt on at the gym when they're training arms? I genuinely... <laughs> it's, the, the basic is, regardless of uh, male, female, it doesn't matter. It's generally all the gear, no idea. Um, well, I think, first of all, then, explain to people why, why, why people wear a belt anyway. So, belts are... Belt, so the common mistake is that belts are there to support your back, which they are, but not in the way that you think they are, uh, or most people think they are. They're actually there to brace your abdominals, which in turn pushes your back into place. I think a lot of people think that it actually holds your back in place, but it doesn't. It's it does, but by a completely different thought process or a different kind of process, i.e., abdominal bracing. Um, so yeah, so that's why you would use belts. Belts are superb pieces of kit. They're very much if you are squatting heavy, deadlifting heavy, the position that is the weakest is generally the back, kind of core direct core area, because that's where you're going to fold into basically. Um, so <laughs> bringing a belt in is going to help. Brace that, <coughs> brace that area and keep your body <coughs> upright. So that's yeah. the reason why you would use a belt. Uh, I mean, I don't know why people wear it if they're doing upper body. I mean, as uh, it's the same as see, you were see watching walking the the gym and you've got guys wearing lifting shoes and they're doing arms. Uh, arms, yeah. Like, <coughs> I mean, if I was wanting to sit on the fence about it, I would maybe say, well, I don't know, maybe they've got poor postural control or you know abdominal activation maybe they want to wear a belt when they're doing arms I don't know um I wouldn't do it <laughs> but yeah each to their own maybe it's a fashion fashion statement now I remember there was the waist trainers for a bit and everybody was using belts as waist trainers oh the wee stretchy things uh, so that might also be it as well well that's true but yeah it's an interesting one and belts generally won't unless you're unless you're bicep curling and hip thrusting at the same time like, <laughs> far, too, far too much weight <laughs> on far too much weight on it and not doing it properly so mm-hmm. yeah we don't know either unfortunately <laughs> that's generally the answer in the question so well that's us done so if you can please share screenshot share any podcast that you listen to uh, tag myself and Shona your shred with Shona. Yeah. I'm Andy at ESG Fitness and our podcast, which is the highly caffeinated fitness weigh in, which you'll find on Instagram. Uh, and also give us a rating. Um, it doesn't matter what you write in the rating. If you give us five stars, it just means that we can be more accessible to people who may need our help. But episode 14 done. Thank you very much, Shona. Woo! Ciao, ciao!